Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast, episode 139. Uh, this episode, we're going to do, uh, I guess the primary uh, talk is going to be about phylos. We also have, uh, uh, we have um, Sungrown Mids is going to be joining us. He's the gentleman who actually broke the phylos story. Uh, Trevor, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we also have uh, Beth from Open Cannabis Project. Um, she's uh, got a lot of insight on things, and um, she's going to be, you know, be able to provide us some great information. Thanks for joining us, Beth. I am very happy to be here. Thanks, Steve. Um, we also have Mr. Green Jeans. Hey, everybody! Thanks. Glad to be here. Nice to see you. And we also have Tara Lee. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Should be a very good subject tonight. Hope you all enjoy and you're all very well informed. Thanks for joining us, you two. Really appreciate it. It's awesome. Can't looking forward to the news. So uh, I guess we'll we'll just start off. Um, uh, uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Justin. Um, do you want to give us your kind of uh, how this whole thing uh, got started. Um, I guess for those of you guys, I guess real quick, that don't know what Phylos is, for those of you guys that aren't out there, uh, Phylos was a, a genetics testing company that was helping map out the different um, genomics for the different cannabis varietals. Um, uh, originally, it was presented in the, the auspice of, of not being used for a, any other additional types of businesses. Um, that's what they told the breeders. That's what they led everyone to believe. Um, and, and, and that happened in the beginning. Um, they actually were, were very favored by a lot of people. They did a lot of really awesome work with a lot of people uh, until some stuff came to light recently, thanks to uh, Trevor over here, who actually was able to dig up some uh, a far different version of events uh, when, they're, when the people from Phylos were talking to investors versus when they're talking to breeders. Um, uh, so uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Justin. Thank you for all of your amazing reporting. Uh, thank you for, for getting the word out and, and sharing this, uh, you know, what what these these you know this company was actually doing or at least what they were presenting to the investors and uh i think it's pretty clear that i you know one side or you know either the investors or the breeders were told something that wasn't true and um, i really appreciate you uh, uh digging that up and, and and you know saving us all from uh potentially a, a hell of a disaster even if it's you know not completely safe but thanks for bringing it to our attention yeah definitely um it was really a group effort actually um I just remember on Tuesday, two weeks ago, when the news dropped that they were going to start doing a breeding program and the initial reaction of everyone was just outrage that they had been lied to and submitted, you know, according to Phylos, they've got 5,000 samples that have been submitted and people took to their post and really let them have it and told them what they thought. Unfortunately, there was a lot of confusion about the technology, a lot of confusion about what was really going on. And for the first three days, I myself had honestly, like just a lot of questions. I didn't have any answers. I didn't really know anything that was like going on behind the scenes. And I just tried to press them on the technology and what was possible and what like they were actually up to because they're announcing that they're doing a breeding program and that it's going to be some revolutionary thing. I just knowing what I know about genetic sequencing and what you can do with those technologies in terms of creating markers was suspicious about what they had done. And um, 
so their their response to everybody was basically using our own lack of technological expertise against us and confusing people and saying things that weren't really even at issue or taking things that were kind of like sci-fi scenarios and being like ha 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 we can't revivify stem and that's not the issue and um then because of all of the like doggedness of my like engagement with them people started reaching out to me and somebody sent me a link of the video that was on youtube that had been posted by the conference themselves and that was what was so crazy about it is that like phylos has no one to blame but themselves they told all of us for years dating back to 2014 that what they were up to was an open source thing that they were literally fighting against the monsantos of the world and i watched the video and it just floored me like everything we had ever been told was the exact opposite of what was said to the people in that room and the people in the room were the monsantos the syngentas the dow duponts of the world the investors from big ag and so you know i just couldn't like I watched the Adam Dunn show where Mowgli responded to community criticism and outrage and gave the company line and literally got through 30 minutes of it and 30 minutes of the presentation. And they were like just night and day exact opposites. And I had to show people what I had seen. So that's really, that's how it went down. And yeah. Um, so do you want to, do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and about some of the revelations in that video? Because I know I, when I saw it the first time, I think blind rage was really the only emotion that I could think of. Yeah, no, it was a gut punch. Like I've said that to a bunch of people. Like I'm saying this as somebody who was always skeptical of Phylos. I was always skeptical of Steep Hill and any genomics lab just because like back in like 2015, 2016, I started diving into molecular genomics and advanced sort of reading and I knew what the technology was capable of and was always concerned about data capture as the primary thing that these labs were doing because I talked to labs in just like traditional ag bioscience and they didn't want our data they didn't care about it but all the labs that were working in the cannabis space seemed to care a lot about keeping the data for themselves and not having protections for the people that were providing it so um when I watched the video, even as a skeptical viewer, I was completely floored. The fact that I heard him say, literally all cannabis here to date sucks, and that their intention was to eliminate all previous cannabis varietals and replace them with these new optimized, you know, super or outrageous new weed, as he put it, um, I just saw Monsanto, I saw Syngenta, I saw the agricultural model that we've seen destroy crop biodiversity and put us into genetic bottlenecks to where traditional agriculture now speaks only in terms of genetic modification as a solution to a set of problems that are their own creation. They created the bottlenecks, they eliminated the genetic diversity that has made it so they're now looking at crop biodiversity and saying, well, shit, we're not going to have orange juice in the future unless we start doing some crazy Franken science. And that's something that we don't have to have in cannabis. 
We've got enough genetic diversity. We haven't gone down the bottlenecks. We've got, according to them, over 400 different varietals that they've got in their own database and thousands of different plants, but 400 unique varietals. I think that we should protect that genetic diversity instead of just sending it down the pipeline of bottlenecking and big ag, which would eliminate all of our traditional cultural sort of heritage that we've brought along with us and inherited from thousands and thousands of years and just put it into, you know, Budweiser packaging for weed. Like that's, that's their model. That's their idea of the future. And it's literally to like explicitly his words is to eliminate all cannabis varietals from the commercial marketplace. And it's all our worst fears come to pass. And they really, you know, they created a honeypot. They crowdsourced our data. They got us to fund their program. And it's really devastating. It hurts a lot to know that that happened to us and that they used our own altruistic sort of like desires to just work as a community and improve things and preserve things and our fears of patents which was honestly a diversion because that's not what they actually did they didn't protect us in any way they've just made it so we're more exploitable um and that's that hurts but you know it's a it's a wake-up call and we really get to organize and get to doing what they said they were doing but do it ourselves, do it together and do it from the bottom up. And if that means, you know, starting out just from scratch with calculators and spreadsheets and going into our gardens and categorizing everything and having the most detailed phenotypic data and working together just on like old school traditional mechanisms, we do that. If it means working with the labs in the space who are actually legit and trying to work with us and not against us, then we start to build those relationships, but we do so in a way where we know what we're getting into ahead of time. We build in data security and we build in community resilience into our institutions and our agreements with these organizations. And we use this technology consciously towards our own goals and not theirs. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that shocked me the most in that was the the whole fact that they had actually created the breeding program first and then created the other phylos and the other company is secondarily to support the breeding program which means they lied since day one because that was every, i know personally at least two dozen people that asked that asked mowgli personally back in the day and he lied to everybody yeah yeah the deceit part is huge like there is no like it's really just the most incredible abuse of trust on the level of getting all of us to agree, not all of us, but lots and lots of people to agree to hand over very precious data under false pretense. And uh, it's definitely- I think, and on that note too, I think, <laughs> and on that note too, and I don't mean to like call people out on anything, but like what, and, you you mentioned it a lot on your stuff when you know based on people's reactions there's a couple of really prominent people in the industry that actually people trusted a lot are now suddenly being like oh why didn't you think that was going to happen and it was like because you said it wouldn't and and you know 
did they actually know or are they just saying it makes business sense? Because those are two very different things. One is you intentionally misled people uh, you know, to the gallows and the other one is you you just were as oblivious as everyone else and you just, you know, you could see, you know, that might be something that a business would do. Those are two entirely different things. Yeah, yeah. And a third wrinkle to that, I think, is also like, what are you going to do now? You know, because I think a lot of us, like, if it's found out that there were people who knew about this and really, like, conspired and colluded to send us off into the gallows, so to speak, then that's totally not okay. I think that's highly unlikely. I think that there are mostly people operating in good faith, thinking that this was like a collaborative effort, being duped right along with the rest of us, and that what we're going to find and what's going to be the key here is how people respond. If you come out and you tell us, like, look, this was a terrible situation, this is not what we stand for, and now we are all going to work together, link arms, and build alternatives, then by all means, like, I, nobody's beyond repair because of this. Like, we all got screwed over in a very big way, and I think that, like, the people who are have connections with Phylos and to the extent that they come out, they speak on it, and they work to building real alternatives, then that's all we can ask of anybody. Absolutely, and um, Beth, I know you worked um, as a contractor with Phylos. I actually used, we talked about it earlier to make sure I got that right. Um, you were never employed by Phylos, but um, what what are your thoughts on this thing? And, and what, you know, you actually had, you know, so you've seen the other side of the coin on the inside. Um, I'd really love to hear, you know, what your, your you know, willing to say on the on the topic. Yeah, totally. And um, you know, first, thanks for inviting me. And um, I know that folks have been like kind of waiting to hear from Open Cannabis Project for a hot minute. And um, I I want to say I'm sorry for any quietness from my part. Um, my mom died um, recently, and I kind of was off the radar. And um, the same Tuesday that. Um, I, that this, all this news dropped, I was literally in a plane with my mother's ashes on my lap coming back. And so for the first week or so, I kind of was just like not able to respond. So I'm sorry about that and grateful for the opportunity to talk about this now. Um, sorry I to hear that, Beth. Sorry hey, to hear that. Th hey, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Tara. Um, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, still sucks, but you know, it's yes. um, but you know, I actually, Steve, where do I, I mean, where to start? Like, what are your specific, like what specific questions? I mean, I have oh, so many, so I, guess, I have so sure, many thoughts so, and so many. <laughs> and all this. Yeah, so, so I guess the first question I have is, is that, you know, you, you, you know, the company a little bit differently where, what was the, you know, what, with what you're allowed to say, I know, I know there's some stuff you can't answer. And we talked about that earlier, but, um, uh, what what did you know as far as like were they talking about this breeder model you know before it was public recently is this or was it something that like you know I'm sure that you didn't know or you would have warned people but you know was there any kind of inkling that this was the direction they were going that that you were able to tell? I mean, from you know honestly from my perspective, it's I, I think one of the biggest challenges has been that because Open Cannabis Project has been so separate from Phylos that 
we hear inklings, we hear pieces of things, like we hear like partial bits of stuff, um, but we're not part of the company. And so we don't, we don't necessarily have the inside scoop and actually so, ever. So do you want to explain what your uh, open cannabis's relationship was to Phylos? Maybe that's a better place to start. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, so to give some to give people some perspective. So, and part of why this is also confusing and understandably confusing. Um, uh, oh my God, there's this really adorable dog who's coming up to me. Hi, puppy. Um, so, uh, Phylo, so Open Cannabis Project started as a project at Phylos Bioscience back in 2015. Um, and from what I can tell, it started in response to overbroad patents. And the idea was, okay, there are these big patents that are coming out on cannabis. Um, and there are some questions about whether or not they're overbroad. And part of the reason that these patents got issued is because we haven't had any documentation of prior art for cannabis. Um, and so, you know, we should create that documentation. And so Phylos being a genetics company, we're like, cool, we're going to put all of, this, all of this genetic documentation into the public domain. We're going to invite other people to do the same. Um, and that will be a way to protect things that are similar to these plants from getting patents on them. So, you know, this whole overbroad patent thing won't happen again. Which, you know, from in terms of like weird patents on actual plants, like I, that's, I think that that's actually true. I don't think that we've actually seen any other truly overbroad wonky patents on plants, definitely on other things, but not really on plants um, since then. Um, aside from like, there's been more patents within this one patent family to this one company, but you know, that's really it. And you know, uh, anyway, it's a whole different story. So it started as a project at Phylos. Um, and then from what I can tell, um, I came on board in 2017 as a contractor. Um, and from what I can tell, looking back at like the emails that came in and like all that kind of stuff, it kind of looks like the, the project was sort of like started and then like nobody looked at it for like a long time. It kind of did what a lot of side projects do where it kind of fall, fell to the wayside. Um, I was hired as a contractor by Phylos initially to help with some writing projects because that's really my, um, my that's, that's been my bread and butter. Um, and they also found out that I had worked on a, um, a nonprofit before and they're like, Hey, we have this project. And I'd, I'd worked in open, uh, I worked at this company called, uh, well, I worked in this nonprofit called map time. It was all educational, um, frameworks around open source map making. We, you know, have all we, and still there are these, all these cute chapters in different communities who all just get together and make open source maps. And they're like, Hey, we have this open data set thing, nonprofit. Can you help us turn it into a nonprofit for, um, for our company? And I was like, sure. Um, and they're like, the idea is that we really want to split this from Phylos because it really should be a nonprofit. This is like a philanthropic thing. It should not be part of our company. And I was like, I agree. Cause actually true story. I had this thing happen with map time where, um, you know, I had kind of started it by accident. I just started it like with friends, and then it like kind of exploded into this big thing. And the company I was working for was like, we should own that nonprofit. And I was like, actually it should be independent. And so when Phylos is like, we want to make this nonprofit independent, I was like, on board, let's do it. Um, so I helped them with that. And then um, the uh, Jeremy Plum was the executive director at the time. Um, we had had a lot of talks about, and he was slammed. He was had just started a proof. He was really busy. And so it was clear to me that um, we needed to find a new executive director. And 
the new board, as it turned out, really liked me. And so when we had our initial board meeting, they asked me the exec to be the executive director and, um, and I accepted. And so my contract with Phylos ended in December of 2017. And then in January of 2018, I was um, paid through um, Open Cannabis Project. We raised about $20,000 by the end of the year from a few different investors um, or a few different donors. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I got to work rebuilding the database and all of that stuff. So that's the history of how I kind of got involved in this project. Um, and I have to say, like, I didn't, I mean, what I knew, what, what I figured out really quickly going into it is that I was like, well, I knew going into it, I was like, okay, this is a wonky project. Like, like no matter how you slice it, like this is a technically wonky project, but I'm like, I live in technical wonky land. So, you know, like we'll figure it out, you know, like we'll figure out what we need to do. It'll be fine. Um, and so I definitely, and you know, maybe, and to some degree that was good and some degree that was not great, you know, to like move forward and not being a subject matter expert, but I was, my whole board was like, you'll get this, we'll support you, it's fine. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. And so, you know, I had no idea about any kind of breeding project. I had inklings and some suspicions that the company may be going in some different kinds of directions. Maybe that's why they need to separate. Um, but the conversation was always like, whatever you guys are going to do, just be transparent about it. You know? So your know, right like, hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing all of a sudden. Kind of. Yeah. And so, and I think that, and one of the, th yeah, and there were all sorts of things that I don't think that anyone really anticipated when we separated, like, for example, you know, people thought that open cannabis project could gen do genetic analysis for their strains. And I'm like, I can't do that. I, I, I operate out of my living room. I don't, I do not have any of those machineries. I just need the data if you want to share it with me or not. We also needed to create that infrastructure because it didn't exist yet. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I really didn't know. I had some suspicions, but I didn't have anything verifiable. Um, and, you know, I didn't really get, I didn't really start to get clear answers to a lot of these questions until late, um, until late 2018. And at that point, you know, my messaging to had just been, this is not for me to be, I, this is your job to, <laughs> to share this information with the world. Um, and so I, it's not my job to do PR for things that I have nothing to do with. So um, I put the, pre I, I and others have, you know, spoken to Phylos and asked them to be transparent. And I think what's hard and sad about all of this is that in releasing the video about the breeding, that was a step towards being transparent. And it was met with a lot of anger and rightfully so. And then to be followed up with the investor video, which I, I mean, I, Steve, you sent it to me. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it. And it just, it made me really, it just made me really sad. It just made me really sad because it was clear that like, I know, look, I mean, when you're working at a company, you're going to have moments where you're like, okay, I kind of have to like tailor my message to who I'm talking to. I know that my marketing director hates it when I use words that end in L-Y, so I won't, you know, whatever. But like the, the, the two messaging thing and seeing it was really hard and also kind of made me feel better 
because I had these moments where I was like, am I losing it? Am I losing my mind right now? Because what I seem to be seeing as reality and what's being communicated to me are two different things. Um, and that's ultimately what gaslighting is. And um, it's a hard, it's just a hard, sad thing to come to terms with, especially with people who you care about and admire and who you know in, their, in your hearts are good people. And maybe are in over their heads. And especially when your connection runs deeper, right? Yeah. You're a cannabis consumer yourself. So, it's, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's runs like, deep. it runs deep. And also, like, I mean, I, like, I'm, like, struggling with, like, I don't, I, like, I, like, don't want to be too personal on this podcast. But I'll just, so I'll leave it at this. Like, I just came out of a really hard situation in Florida. And I'm going to leave it at that. And my friends and family who know what happened they know that that was a really, 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 really hard situation. And coming out of it, all I can think to myself is two things. <laughs> I'm like, one, I'm so sick of name calling. Um, there are some serious name calling going on on the internet and there are some serious name calling going on with this situation in Florida, which was not cool. Um, and I'm also sad to see people that I just, it hurts me to see people I care about going in a direction that isn't good for them. And I saw that in Florida and I saw that here and it makes me sad. It makes me really sad. Yeah. Um, we had a question from chat. It says, did Phylos have access to the DNA uh, data gathered solely by Open Cannabis Project? Um, the, so the only data so yeah, so people probably have some questions about the data for Open Cannabis Project. Um, so kind of, so the data that we have is all from Phylos for the most part. Um, so data had access to all the data because that was all Phylos's data. With the exception of a few things from ve the very early days in Open Cannabis Project, we didn't collect any other genetic data. And the reason for that is twofold. One is that we learned, I figured out early on that actually genetic data in terms of prior art documentation and patent defense actually isn't that useful, at least not right now. Um, people suppose that it probably will be in the future, and I think that that's probably true. Um, but right now, prior art is mostly useful. Well, in general, prior art is only useful in terms of like the claims that come through in any kind of patent application. And so when your patent applications say things like any cannabis plant with at least 3% CBD and this list of terpenes, what matters is prior art is the cannabinoid profile and the terpene profile. It doesn't, the genetics don't matter unless, if they're, unless they're brought up. Um, and again, I think that these are things that might change. So in any case, realizing that genetics were not actually as useful as we thought that they would have been. And also to be totally honest, it was clear to me that there was some, there was something wonky going on with the genetic situation anyway, just because there was so much, there was so much contention just between the labs who had produced this genetic data that I was like, okay, in addition to this not being as useful as we'd want it to be, clearly th this is contentious. So I'm gonna pause on that and start working on collecting chemical data, which is what we did. And frankly, the only chemical data that we've collected is from the 2017 and 2018 Cultivation Classic because as soon as I, I was like, okay, fine. So I finally have this data sharing program set up and I started to learn about some of the, I, I caught wind of um, 
at the, at the Emerald Cup this past year, something happened where I was giving a, a panel and I found out from Jeremy Plum mentioned something on stage about there being some kind of data sharing program with Phylos. And I was like, wait a second, I've been waiting for this data from Phylos all year and there's all this other data sharing going on, like what the hell? And so realizing this, I kind of quietly, but on purpose, paused data sharing and reached out to everybody who had wanted to share data with us and was like, hey, I don't really know what's going on. This is the situation. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, let me figure this out before you give us any data, frankly. So the only data that's in there is stuff from the original Open Cannabis Project from before I came on board. Um, the only genetic data really that's on there is phylos, and then the only chemical data is from um, Cultivation Classic. Awesome, thanks for answering that for us. Uh, um, really go ahead, um, So yeah, that's a, another indication where they've been lying and dissembling in their responses to everybody's issues. Like their primary response to me was that they didn't have any phenotypic data, therefore their genomic data was totally useless because it's just a bunch of raw genomic data and they had no way of taking the genetic data and cross-referencing it to phenotypic or chemotypic data. Like if they have a data sharing agreement with uh, Cultivation Classics and they have all that chemical data, they can run the chemical analysis and there's other larger data sets that are all available. And that's something that like, the way that they're able, they said in the video that they were nine months out from being able to make it to market with their cultivars. That means they've been doing the breeding for a considerable amount of time prior if they're nine months away from market. And they've probably been doing that by cross-referencing data sets, which they have been lying to people on both sides. They've been lying about the genetic data and they've been lying about the phenotypic data that they've collected and how they're well, using it. I think to be so I think that you're so I think that you're probably right on I think that you're probably right on cross-referencing phenotypic data from other um, plants with the same name but I think to be fair and clear um, if you don't have the exact same sample from the exact same plant and have the same information about how that plant was grown you actually really do have a limited data set. I'm not saying that it's a not useful data set and I'm not saying that you can't cross-reference all of that material but like it's it's not it's 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 not as useful as you might think that it is. And when it comes to the cultivation classic data set, you know, three out of two so there's two years of sample sets that we have, three from each year was actually cross-referenced with um uh uh, what's it called, phylos data, because that's like what the winners get as a phylos test. So you're talking about a total of like six data, six data points, like six plants that has both their genetic and their chemical information. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's it. And I'm not saying that's not nothing. I'm not saying, but it's also, it's not, it's, they've got, they've given themselves an advantage for sure, but yeah, it could be a lot worse. And I'm not trying, I hope I'm, I, I'm trying to speak for, to this from like a just like, this is the factual basis of the data situation thing. I'm, I'm not, not trying, trying to, to uh, cast dispersions at anybody. I'm just trying to say that like, 
they're lying. This is another clear instance of them lying. And sure. like, it's, it's irrefutable. Like their response to everybody has just been like, not true. And yeah. that's, that's, that's my point. I'm not trying to say that like, you Who know. Who on the Cultivation Classic? That's the question. I don't know. You might have to ask again, Steve. You came in fast and wasn't understandable, maybe. Your question about Cultivation Classic. He said, he said. Who organizes Cultivation Classic? Who, order, who organizes Cultivation Classic? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Cultivation Classic has been, um, is a, an amazing, wonderful, incredible event. Um, and it's been organized, um, it was primarily, and I, so the people who've been organizing it are uh, Stephanie Barnhart, who formerly of the Willamette Week and um, now runs a company called Smart Cannabis, um, along with a woman named uh, Dr. A.D. Poe, Dr. A.D. Ray Poe. I'm sorry, Dr. A.D. Ray. She used to be Dr. A.D. Poe. Um, let's see, who else? Jeremy Plum is involved with organizing the Cultivation Classic. Um, Jeremy Sackett from Cascadia Labs. And, I, and Phylos has been involved in the past, um, primarily as a volunteer. Um, yeah. And I highly recommend if you have questions about Cultivation Classic stuff to talk to, to Stephanie because she will be able to talk to you about all of those things. Yeah, I was just curious. So, uh, 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 Trevor, I know you had some other stuff to say on the on this as far as like, you know, what, like you're saying, what do we do now? Um, obviously, everyone, you know, very clearly Phylos lied to everyone. There's no question. Um, like you were saying, what, what are kind of, what's next? Um, yeah, I, I think that to a certain extent, what's happened is there's been a number of different responses from the community. Um, it's been pretty, pretty inspiring to a certain extent. Like I've seen a lot of people who like my Instagram was a, backwoods that just had a bunch of pot breeders on it and i dorked out about pot breeding that's all i cared about was breeding cannabis and trying to apply sort of you know scientific approaches to breeding and since this happened my instagram's just completely blown up um a lot of people who i feel like you know, we haven't always necessarily been in the same sort of camps in the cannabis world, so to speak. You know, there's like the regenerative cannabis world. There's the SoCal more indoor world. And I think this is something that really unifies all of cannabis, like all historic cannabis. The people who have been doing this and struggling and have been part of this movement since, you know, decades past are really coming together and speaking up and unifying around this issue because we do see it as an existential threat to our heritage our culture and our traditions going forward like they laid it out their plan is to eliminate all heirloom varietals their model is to create a uniform mass consumable product that will crush us with economies of scale i've gotten into arguments with half of their like you know all these grad students that they're encouraging to go on to become plant breeders and these people are just trying to 
humiliate and like discourage us from even engaging in what we've been doing historically and are gloating about how they're going to crush us with scientific breeding and like they can't even win a debate against a dude with a fucking college or high school proficiency test and that's like the mentality they're coming at us with they think that just because we don't have some letters behind our names that we're just some hillbillies and stoners and we're stupid and that's not the case i think that really we're going to organize we're going to unify and the key now is everybody has to speak up it's not about what's happened in the past in terms of complicity or unfortunate situations where we've like worked with phylos it's about what we do going forward i called out kevin jodry on my instagram because i was hurt I was hurt that he went around in the regenerative cannabis network and preached the good word about coming together and cooperating and that he's being silent in the face of what has happened. And that the few words he's said has been to say, well, it's all inevitable. Like we all know it's inevitable, dude. We know that large capitalized interests are coming and they're gonna crush. They have the ability to bring economies of scale. They have the ability to marshal in technologies that they will use to their ends. But the only thing that's ever determined the outcome when there's been a, in a balance of power differential like that is people organizing, getting together, and not fighting over like small little bullshit, but just organizing around unified goals and trying to like get over the small differences and focus on our shared goals and our belief in what we can do to create an alternative for the future. And so that's where I'm at. It's like, I wanna build with everybody in this community and I wanna see heirloom cannabis, a, you know, I, we have to build the institutions and we have to build the cultural dynamics. It has to be within the commercial market and it has to be outside of the commercial market. We need like a preservationist society, much like the Audubon society. We need people that just dork out on cannabis and hang out with their six plants and describe them in such detail that those people are the most experienced, knowledgeable human beings in the world about their genetics, their plants, and that they are able to link up with institutions that then preserve those things and allow it to be part of a collective public good that's going to go on for years. Because if we don't do it, we know what happens. We've seen the chart. That chart on what happened to crop biodiversity really shows us what happens if we don't get together and start doing this. And like we saw what happened in every other crop and the only reason that those trends and dynamics have changed is because in the 80s and even before that people started to really organize around it but it was in the 80s that it became a commercial market sort of thing and people started to organize around heirloom crop varieties seed saving a lot of hippies started pulling out old heirloom varieties. They started connecting with indigenous communities. They started organizing buyers cooperatives and farmers markets and like that whole culture, the back to the land homesteading, all of that was a way of building resilience and cultural alternatives 
to the capitalist sort of monolith that was imposed upon us and the sort of like normative lifestyle that so many hippies and back to the land people and alternative lifestyle people who brought cannabis into American culture got down with. And like this whole legalization thing has just fucked us all up and we're like just scared and we're not remembering like what we did in the past to overcome similar circumstances. And that's what we got to do now. We got to build buyers co-ops like cannabis in the commercial market sucks. Like I went to one dispensary once and it was like awful and like, I would love to buy really good cannabis from people who I know produce really good cannabis, but I can't because they're not able to get into the dispensaries and get into the supply chain. And I need to get with my other people and aggregate my buying ability to determine and hold the supply chain accountable to us. And every single point across the supply chain, every like there's local, there's regional, there's national, there's global. We got to organize and we got to network and we got to build alternatives together. Well said. Cheers to that, man. That was like so well said. Seriously. Woo. Cheers, everybody yeah. in chat. Thanks Cheers. for being here, everyone. Thanks. Trevor, Trevor, you're, you're sun grown mid. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, man? I'm Joshua the Dutch Blooms. We haven't met before, but hey. Yeah, no, we, you were at the Regenerative uh, up in Humboldt at the yeah. conference. Yeah. Did we, did we meet there? Sorry, man. I no, no, we there. didn't meet. I just, I was there. And so I, I recognize your face and it's, you know, gotcha. where to recognize faces from Instagram for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, man, uh, dude, so well said everything that you just, well, I won't say everything, but 99% of what you just said, like, I'm like, fuck yes, dude. Yes. And that's where I'm at. You know, like I, I have a background in, in growing vegetables as well. Um, heirlooms specifically. And like, you know, so as you were saying stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you just follow it all the way through with, you know, that, that this started in the, with the back to the land movement in the eighties and the seventies and, um, and the organic movement that we have, even in like shitty ass stores, like whole foods and Trader Joe's, um, which is better than not, in my opinion. I'm not, you know, that's not the food I would want to eat, but. Now, wait a I, minute. I sold produce to Whole Foods now. So, you know, just not all food at Whole Foods. Is man, I talk, shit about, I talk shit about the co-ops here locally because I walk in and it's all Californian and Mexican lettuce. And I live in Washington. We can grow lettuce year round here. And um, so I, I'm, I'm with you on a, a lot of that stuff. I guess, you know, I just one and I don't even know how to say what I want to say. So please give me a little grace. Um, but like Kevin's my homie. So, you know, and uh, I invited him to, to be a part of the conference and he was a huge part of the conference. He took up a whole day of it. Right. You know, so there's some, some, some part of me that feels, you know, wanting to say something about that. And, and uh, I kind of agree a bit with what, what he said about it, dude, to be honest. Like, I, you know, that's where, the, where I kind of like, I, I expect corporations to be corporations. I'm the, I, you know, and, and we, all are, we all have different opinions on a lot of things, but I don't even fucking vote um, because I expect the government to be the government. And I've lost total fucking hope in it myself. Um, I've lost total hope in like corporations that are set out to make money solely to do anything but make money and they, and that's going to result in in bad decisions for the whole you know and it's and it's fucking sucks 
and and I and I agree with that, you know. And but like my in my personal path, I, you know, I've spent so much energy going down that, and like I feel like I've lost energy, you know, going down that hole. And in reality, it was just so. You know, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that podcast um, I posted um, with, with uh, Ed Curry. But Ed Curry breeds peppers, right? And he's like this old timer, super old timer, and and it's it's fucking amazing. He's bred most of the peppers that we eat. Like he, they started with just green pe- peppers, and he does it all by sight, um, senses, you know, looking at plants just like just like we do. And um, it's fucking amazing. And the, the whole the reason I posted it was just like for the same thing that you just just said was you know they can't stop us. They can have all this data but we have something more. We have experience with the plant that you can't, you can't just look at data and pull extract away from. And, you know, they're going to make some fucking wonderful varieties that are going to be able to be shipped across all the motherfucking world, just like the tomatoes, just like the cucumbers, all that shit. Right. But nobody, once you start eating that shit, nobody wants to eat it. It's shit. It's garbage. You know, that I don't eat tomatoes unless they're grown from my garden and they're heirloom varietals because they're just not worth eating, you know, and, and most produce is that way because it's nutrient deficient. And, and, and what we've had the opportunity to learn in cannabis and really, you know, put all of our energy into making really nutrient dense plants, like it's provided a different, a different knowledge set. And I, I, I'm just with you with like the, all the whole, the back part of what you said, you know, man, like that, like, let's, I want to celebrate that, but like, fuck Bylos, you know, but that's what they were going to do. You know, that's what they're always going to do. I'm sorry that, any, that folks got duped. I really am. But like, I expected it. And like, that's what every corporation is going to do. So fuck them and let, let's move on and let's fucking do some cool shit, you know? And I, okay, I, so- I, love, I love the organization that is coming out of it. Like that's, I haven't been able to see on the, on the, the, we have a, a, a big conversation going on, um, in, a, in the with within the Dempier Collective, and I haven't been able to be a part of that um, because I just haven't been able to da- download the app. So, um, but I know there's a lot of good stuff going on, and we're organizing together, and that's that's really um, really a cool outcome of this, you know. So, I don't know so, if that was eloquent or or poorly said. Um, about Kevin is so like. We don't know what Kevin's doing right now in his life, right? Maybe he has something personal going on. We all haven't heard, right? So maybe there's something else. I I don't know. I'm a kind of. I think we should just wait and not speculate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he might be not even in the country, quite honestly. We all don't know what's Um, going on. So we need to just. I know he was supposed to be in in two different continents this month. And, um, and quite frankly, like, he might just be like, fuck, dude, that's fucking shitty. Like, the, you know what I mean? I was just trying to, like, oh, you know, do my thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, just be like, I don't want to fucking talk to I, I haven't talked to him. Wanna... I'm not going to extrapolate or whatever. I'm just, you know, wanna... I, I, I want to give the best, him the benefit and everybody the benefit of the doubt. I agree. I, I agree. So, I agree. Sorry about that, uh, the echo. On that note, um, I actually, t- I set him up, when I found out about this, Sorry. Oh, there we go. Uh, when I found out about this and I saw his message, I, I shot him a, uh, a a message and I said, "Hey, did you know about all this? This went public. This went public, or was this just again like 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 Josh was saying, just corporate people being corporate people, um, and then him just kind of saying, "Hey, well, what did you expect from corporate people? That's a lot. That corporate people being corporate people is a hell of 
of a lot different than if he knowingly was knew about the breeding thing and then basically used his clout and the trust that everyone had in him to file them into philos. That's that that I have. I, a agree, I agree with you, but that's speculation, that's man. I, I but, agree with you, but, but, but dude, straight up, listen to me. I agree with you. If the latter is true, that's fucked up. But he's a homie, dude. Like, let's. But we don't you, know nothing we, yet. We that? know nothing. Yeah. Why would we right. assume that? You know, like that's no, 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 no. I'm just your saying. homies. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm that's just where, saying that. That's where I stand on exactly. it. You know? It's a question that is out there. What Steve is trying to say. It's a question that's out there. You got to consider it. Yeah, and considering, and I like him a lot. That's why I want to be able to defend him. But I have to know, I have to know the truth to defend him. And I'd like to go out there and say, hey, he didn't know. And and it's not about trying to be accusatory. I, I like the guy. I have a lot of love for Kevin and respect for what he's done. But I I need to know what the truth is. And that that's all. I'm not I'm not I'm not knocking him at all. I mean, um, but what difference does it make? Any like, because the again, the like, same reason. The same reason it matters that if Philos intentionally created the breeding program first or not, they've intentionally misled people into giving up their genetic data. And if which, if that which is the just means, which just means that they're corporate people being corporate people. Hold on. Okay, so I, I totally I don't have any issue with Kev like on the level of him saying like I honestly sincerely think that Kev does not know like i don't think he intentionally tried to dupe anybody i don't think he tried to get all of us to get down with that and to like join on to phylos to you know be part of some scheme to screw over the cannabis community that he is absolutely a leader in I, I, I say my impression of him is I have to agree with you at this point. I, this is kind of new. You know, just this whole thing is blowing up so fast. And I haven't been able to pay attention, but here in the show tonight and having met and know Kevin and he's been on the show, we all know him very well and respect him. We Everybody respects the fuck out of Kevin. So I think it's like I just said, every, instead of speculating what the fuck, we, yeah, we got to ask the question, did he know? But I, I have to say, I'll go out on the limb and say, I agree with you. I really don't think he's a sellout to the corporate world. I think he's gonna, he's already got let's, it. Uh, let's welcome Josh and Kelly to the conversation. Oh, yes, hey, we Kelly. got Demp here in the house. Woo, what's up guys? Hey, what's happening? Hey, Hi. Josh. I know nice to see you, hey, everybody. Hi. Trevor. Hey, Beth. Many blessings. Hey, guys. You're, hey, the picture Steve shared from your farm and everything. What a freaking awesome place. Now, you said nobody ever wants to come up there. You're going to be wishing nobody comes up there pretty soon. I tell you what, the, the pictures get out. Tell you what, I want to be there. Everyone's just busy. That's all it is. You know, I think that, uh, you know, if, if we could all just like visit each other's farms every other weekend, that would be really sweet. That would be really fun. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, I can appreciate everything that's going on. And I'm really glad that we're getting together and being able to have our voices heard and talk about the things that, you know, are working for us and not working for us. And I think that part of the things that have uh, made this all so powerful it's just that you know it's it's kind of desperate times in a way you know we're all trying to survive and we're all trying to stay relevant and it feels like you know the corporations are taking over and and uh 
not giving us that voice. And, um, and, you know, they just want to use our whatever to, to big up their, you know, business plans and stuff like that. And I, and I just, mostly what me and Kelly feel is that we just want to bring together everyone to be the change that we are all looking for because Kelly and I are, are about us all working together for the rightfulness of the planet and for the rightfulness of our breeding programs and for the right type of distribution. And we really wanna create sacred commerce. And, and so often if we look outside of the cannabis industry and to food supply chains and stuff, you just find that you know when, when massive corporations start taking over and large scale farming, it just often gets lost in the quality. So we're just wanting to continue to give voices to farmers and their story and their products and to be really autonomous and hold out and 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 realize our strength and trevor you really helped us you know you know with guiding us with what's you know not right and out there and uh, also what we can do and stuff so i think it's just uh beth everyone in this room i, I really appreciate everyone here because really it's 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 really time for us to ask what does work for us and how we can create that. And that's really what we're trying to do with, with the pure collective. And, and it's, and I think it's, everything's an opportunity, you know? So I think we're going to try and make an opportunity out of it. So, um, you know, there, there are, you know, a lot of questions about, you know, what do we do with our genetics? So what do you think, Beth? Oh, I was just going to say, I'm hi. I'm so happy to see you. And I'm honestly like, I mean, I think that, like my perspective, like coming out of like a death scenario right now and going, moving through like, and the death of my mom and like going through the process of letting a lot of things go and healing with a lot of things with my family and healing a lot of old wounds and, you know, taking things that had been hoarded into a house and like sending them off to new homes and giving them new life. I think that that's where I am just so much right now. And I am, ex I think that that's the best possible thing that can come from this. We do have such this amazing opportunity to reorganize ourselves, to let go of things that don't work and to move forward with things that do and do something really, really awesome. Because these, you know, I think that one of the challenges that's been true at Open Cannabis Project, one of many is that, you know, concepts around open source and licensing and patents and data and how and the differences between open source plants versus open source data versus open source copy and all these things are so complicated it can be hard to understand like why they're so fucking important and then something happens in our community like what's happening right now and suddenly it's like oh it is really important and it's not as black and white as i think that it had been made out to be from the beginning you know and so I do think that we have an opportunity to like think about, okay, if the goal is really to protect biodiversity and protect small farmers and to protect these things that we really care about, how do we use these tools in ways that support us? And how do we do that in a way that matches our ethics? And um, I've been trying to use open cannabis projects as a, way, as a way to answer some of those questions. And I think that it makes even more sense and is even more beautiful to like, I don't know, like pass those questions on to the community and see what we come up with together and to then use what we've learned to support that. So anyway, I'm happy to see you. Hi.
we got to do interstate. I think it's all about interstate collective type stuff is what it's going to have to be. And since part of the country isn't allowed to do cannabis, that's really so hard to build. But the, the, the states that have cannabis and the laws that you have to deal with now and your genetics, you, you, it has to be some kind of you know, collective that has to be built so for a national level. I think, you know, which is basically what, so there's, it's been tried, but now, like you said, it's time to regenerate, to gather up and, uh, you know, kind of, we got to take a different tack, you know, than we, we have in the past because now we have to be more wary because what we all knew would happen was corporate, you know, if corporate, if, it, if corporate could have patented it, it would already be legal, right? So. We all know that. So that's, I think it's going to take, like you said, it's all about if you can get a, on a national scale, you've got a voice. It can't just be of a community scale anymore or a state scale. It's got to be nationally scaled. And then even where we got, you know, we got you know, proponents of cannabis in, in Canada. So we, you know, we can, we can probably bounce off, you know, things and, and strengths between Canada and, and, uh, and the United States. And, that's all I wanted to say about that, but in answer to what you mentioned. That does fall in line with our beliefs as well. And with Dragonfly, you know, with our pure certification, we have farms in uh, Europe and uh, in Canada and America. And, um, you know, we're, we're close to figuring out how to do other countries, South Africa, um, Uruguay and, and different places like that. So we we have seen the international, you know, potential where where the future. Let's say you know the future is working into internationally. It's just that the system has really been, in a way, put against us. You know, we, we we're trying that we're having. If it was just about us trying to figure out an awesome business model and a way to work together. I mean, that would be a slam dunk. We'd be able to do that, no problem. But we have all these crazy regulations and all these crazy distribution models and all these other things that just kind of almost pit us against each other. So um, we're using, again, this is an opportunity to say, hey, well, there is, you know, if we can make it through these times, um, then we are going to have the ability to work together internationally. And that's what corporations are doing. The reason why the corporations and those big money um, people have the power that they have is because they're already working internationally and they have huge money. So we just have to realize that our strength and, 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 and money in the sense of corporations, our strength is in being intelligent and working together and having farms that are producing and just be, I think it's a, it's a really eye opening time to just say, you know, be really, really careful who you work with and where you sign because you don't know where the dotted line goes to. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about this at the regenerative conference, you know, with contracts and different things. So, you know, we're, we're working on in the collective we're working on us all being able to have a voice together and thank you, Steve, for helping us put together the discord web you know um site that's allowing us to speak live that's really helping us really have our voices heard immediate because sometimes you can say it's great to work you know with people far away but then how do you communicate with them um you know so we're putting that together and beth is going to help a lot of people are helping we're really excited about it so again we're you know compost is taking something that's dying and making it into something living so this is kind of a compost situation, you know, it's time for us to be a seed 
as Mr. Green Jeans would say, you know, where it'd be a seed and rise up out of the soil food web. So I guess the soil food web is maybe our <laughs> consciousness. You know, maybe it's our business food web or something. You know, we have to, I think we have to just become like pranksters a little bit and be creative, you know, but um, we also want to be integral and not lose, you know, we don't want to get lost in the mire. And I think we want to keep our integrity going. What do you all think? So it'd be fabulous, like be like a broad mite then? <laughs> <laughs> we need to cut them out. Um, yeah. did, you, uh, did you guys have anything else? Other thoughts on this? We've talked kind of talked a little bit about the different points of it, uh, or quite a few different points. Certainly not all of them. But uh, Josh, did you have any other, or Trevor, whoever? Um, <laughs> my last comment would be that I just think people need to speak up on it and take a stand clearly. Like, I don't disagree with anything anybody said. Um, I think we're all really in agreement and need to focus on how to build alternatives more than focus on, you know, who said what, who did what. It's more about what you're doing now and where you're really putting your actions and your intentions. Um, and I do just want like I want to hear it from everybody in the community because you know there's a lot of people who are posting this stuff who are getting the word out who are really taking a strong stand and then there are other people who aren't taking a strong stand and I just think if we're a unified voice because I mean what are we fighting for we're fighting for the future of the cannabis that we've known and loved and built our culture around for the last 40, 50 years, you know? And that's really what we all just gotta say. That's what I'm about and let's build on that. That's, that's where I'm at. And I just wanna hear it from everybody in our community. And you're doing such a good and job I appreciate on, on that. using. And you've Oops, sorry. Um, really opened the door for that. And it's, it is really important for everyone to have their voice heard because people talk about judgment being a bad thing sometimes, you know, don't judge me and all that. But sometimes it's the judgment that really helps keep us on track and, you know, what we're doing and, and, and coming together and having our voice heard is going to come to what's right. You know, it may not be one voice that's right, but it, it could be that a lot of voices are saying the same thing and that's what's right. So, um, and, and I really, really want to take this opportunity to, again, make those changes and to embody those changes. And, and they really aren't just about one company right now. And, and I, I think that's important too. I think it's, kind of a paradigm right now it's it's kind of where we're at right now so again i agree with what you're saying and i think that us coming together with a unified voice is extremely important and, and that's where our strength is and um yeah it's gonna be um difficult for us to get through here but i think we can create something that's going to give us independence it's going to give us recognition and it's going to give us uh, um, sales in the future which is really what we need and I am, I love all of these thoughts and I want to just, I do want to add to a couple of things that I think are really important. Um, cause I, one, am all about everyone speaking up. And also I've had a lot of people calling me a skank on the internet recently, um, because of all of this. Um, not a lot actually. I should, let me rephrase that. 
I've had a couple of people say some really nasty things to me. Not a lot of people. I'd like to apologize for the ignorance well, of the people fuck, around. Fuck Matt, fuck Matt Riot for being yeah. an asshole about it. No, oh, and I, I, I haven't even. I don't. I'm not even talking about Matt. I don't know what he has to say, but I'm sure it's not nice. Um, but I think that for me, I can speak personally, and I know I'm not the only one. I want to speak out more and talk more but I'm unwilling at this point to go on the internet and start trying to have a conversation on an Instagram thread where I'm going to be called a fucking whore or some bullshit. Like I'm just not going to engage in that. And I think it's okay to, I think that sometimes when people are silent on the internet, it's because they're going to get attacked no matter what. And unfortunately I'm in a position to where I know I have done everything in my power to do right in my work. And I also know that there's a lot of people who are never going to believe that no matter what I say. And does it make sense then for me to go and try to defend that in an internet thread with, with an angry mob? No, I'm not going to do it. So I'm definitely interested in forums where people speak up. And I also think that in order to do that, I think it's important to maybe think about reducing the name calling and reducing the you know, we can have these conversations and be very clear about our feelings without putting people down and using words that we would never want for someone we care about to see us use. Okay. So, um, I want to offer that as just sort of a piece of this. Um, people want to speak up, I think more people do. Um, but also the angry mob thing is really, is really a hard thing to, to deal with. I'd so, like to invite you to ILoveGrowingMarijuana.com, a forum that I'm an administrator at, and we don't allow any kind of action like that. It's a learning environment, and if you wanted to come and state your piece there, there would be nobody calling you a whore. That would be a around longer than about 30 seconds. So Thank you. That's awesome. And there. the Growers Network has been awesome for that, too. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm happy to talk on, I think that that makes sense. It's like I'm happy to talk on forums and places that are moderated, but, um, you know. Instagram, I, I, we're just going to go with no on that. So, but thank you. I will definitely take you up on that. Come over and post your story. I, I think the members, we got, we got a million page views a month. So you get your word out, you know. All right. Um, All right. Uh, did you, go ahead, Sean. That's the harassment that's going on is not okay. Um, we need to not respond in that fashion. We need to respond by trying to build up each other and build up a resilient culture, not one that is predicated on attacking and harassing people. Um, it just, it's not okay across the board. Anybody going on long enough, it's about time that shit needs to stop. I'm tired of the hate on all the social networks. I'm I'm with you, man. When you guys say that, I mean, I just want to, I'm about ready to blow up. You know, I'm, I'm sick of even friends that I consider really good friends and I watch what they post and the hate they go through every day, the energy they exert to, to spread hate. And it just blows my mind. We gotta, we gotta gather it up and, and be nicer and, and let each support each other so that we can all learn and get better and fight the industry. Yeah. yeah and like any anytime anybody calls anybody out it should be out of love it should not be out of like attacking somebody like i honestly love kevin and i want everybody to know that when i posted that it wasn't because i wanted like a community like raw against kevin it's like i felt hurt 
And I expressed this directly to him. And uh, I think that we all need to come from a place of love because like, it's a love for this plant that brought us all together. And that's, we got to build on that and not on hatred and, you know, anger and fear. Like that's definitely, I feel sorry to the extent like any mob mentality that has arisen out of this is not like, okay. And I, I Beth, I'm very, very sorry. Um, just well said in your, your worst, the worst I think I've seen somebody went and posted the pictures and names of every Phylos employee and then was trying to get their addresses, which was taken off of Instagram. But that was the worst that I've seen. Yeah, that stuff's unacceptable. We don't like absolutely completely like nobody needs to be treated that way or doxxed or targeted. We need to be like creative and intelligent. That's what we're agreeing with. So it's sort of like, yeah, we have boundaries. And so it's important to have boundaries and it's important, it's important to say, hey, this this doesn't work and everything. And then it's it's important for us to, you know, be able to the challenge isn't sometimes just, you know, saying that you don't like something. Sometimes the challenging is saying, here, you know, this is this is the alternative, you know, and this is what we're, you know, trying to work towards and and everything. So you have to yeah. endure the time it takes to make a change. You know, when, well, I thought you were kind of hitting on that, Josh. You have, you know, like, in order to make, you know, you have to endure the time it takes. You have to regather, like uh, Beth said, and, and, and endure the time it takes to make a change. You know, that'll better us all in this situation. And, and as uh, Kevin was saying earlier, it's really, or, or, or uh, somebody was mentioned earlier, what I, it's really going back to strength in numbers. It's not about, an, you know, when we, you're going against a uh, government or you're going against a corporation, you have to have with the, like we were saying, the national thing. So it's a really, everybody bounced around it, but an old cliche is it's strength in numbers. And if you get everybody, keep getting everybody on board, those numbers will add up. And as you get those numbers in each and every state, the government has to listen and the government pretty much is in cahoots with the with the uh, corporation so we all know that and i yield i think steve wants to say something i'm not sure um uh josh did you guys have any other thoughts on it i know you guys have heard a lot of uh a lot of information from a lot of different sides on this whole whole thing and you're very well educated on it I mean, all all that we really want to say is that you know we we've we whenever something big comes up, we try and get in touch with someone. You know, we try and find out you know what is we we want to come with something intelligent. We don't want to just create more chaos. You know, we're trying to kind of gather ourselves and gather everyone together to become like you know a unified voice, and so. I, I think that we recognize that, you know, people sometimes don't really know where they're going and they find themselves, you know, in a place where, the, you know, they make mistakes, you know what I mean? And I don't think that, uh, you know, some of it may be malicious, some of it may not be. But right now, I think we're just, what we're saying more than anything is there are alternatives we can create them we're all really really smart we don't need you know a celebrity to make us you know successful or brand us or we don't need to join forces 
with we do we have ethics you know we have morals and values that guide our company and that guide our that guide our our, our actions moving forward so we're just going to use these times to just what we've kelly and i and dragonfly and, and our whole family everyone the, the farms that we work with we're just mostly it's strength and integrity it's, it's strength in numbers but it's strength and integrity so it's walk the talk it's do uh make your actions matter and you know if it's if there's a debate happening out there and people and we need to talk about it you know let's let's dig deep and let's you know let's bring out truth it doesn't have to be um hardcore you know and stuff like that maybe it feels that way and i think it does sometimes but what we're trying to do is just make something good out of it so um and i think there's a lot more of it coming in in different fashions so i think that um we need to just really, really continue talking with each other and doing our best to create smart companies, you know, and, and just be really, really, really careful who, who you work with, you know, I mean, you, you, and you can't get again because you can't guarantee like when you're working with a large corporation that they're not going to sell out. You know what I mean? And we can't afford to sell out like we're this. These are our, these are our farms. And, and when corporations are coming in, that's their corporation. They can lose a corporation and start a new one. So just be really careful who you, who you, you gather with, you know, maybe get a lawyer and talk to two lawyers about it, you know, before you sign a contract and maybe it's not a lawyer, maybe it's just your friends and family. Maybe it's, our pure certified network, you know, whatever it is, you know, but, but we, there are alternatives and, exactly. and our, our, the... our goal is to be the alternative. Yeah. And, and that's really all we have to say. Uh, we, we feel really terrible about the, the things that have happened. You know, they, they make us sad. We, we don't love it. Um, as an entity, we've been in business for a long time and we've been really, really careful with who we've joined forces for this, these types of reasons. But we know when we join forces with integral farmers that have been doing it their whole life, they're not going anywhere. This is their life. That's, those are the kind of people we work with and, we'll, and want to work with. And me and Kelly would be willing to, you know, walk to the end of the earth for those people because they would do it for us too. And those are the people we work with. Thank you for those people. I love nice people. Bring bring on nice people. You know what I mean? I want to attract hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, uh, um, exactly. beneficial human biology. Because someone said a funny thing the other day. There's a lot of like human mids. Trevor, <laughs> just joking. But you know, people talk about the the, the, like the flowers no, are mids or well sometimes right. you know the humans are mids that's just a joke i'm just playing but but you have oh to like kind of challenge so yourself now. you know what i mean and and be, and be a really good person so anyway yeah I got there's a, a lot of seeds to be planted you know we it's kind of like is i'm a little too busy for <laughs> a little too much drama too you know i kind of like have i have greenhouses to repair right now exactly you know this is springtime we all should be out planting we should be taking care of our garden ready to feed ourselves for the summer but i love it i love you oh, you got already dark go ahead go ahead mr green Team. i was just gonna say it's already dark down here southern california i can't believe looking up there it's still the sun's up yeah dark <laughs> Yeah, and it comes up really early, but like we're just getting leaves on our trees right now. 
Right. So that 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 elderberry behind us is just not really even has leaves. I'm basically I'm cold. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, you look a little cold. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. It's good. So. Uh, I'm going to stay muted. It's loud here. Sorry. Wow, it's really great. Do you want to? Do you want to? Steve, you're really um, glitching out. So, uh, Trevor, do you want to tell us about some of the other uh, organizing and community that. um? Hold on. How about now? Good? Try. Yeah. Uh, Can you hear me now? We good? Mute your yeah, camera and see if you come any better. How about now? Any better? Yeah, a little better, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what's up. We have a horrible, horrible storm here right now. Big hailstorm. So, oh. um, uh, Trevor, do you, you want to talk a little bit about some of the other organizing you're doing? I know it's, you know, uh, also translates into a little bit of some of the other stuff going on with, with the Den Pure stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm from Calaveras County. I grew up there. Uh, and locally we had a band. Well, it's kind of a long story, but starting in 2015, we had a big fire come through. Then our county was one of the first to adopt regulations under the state. And... So we all tried to jump through a bunch of hoops, paid taxes, literally $13 million in taxes got paid by local farmers. It's the most in any local municipality in California. Um, and they banned us pretty much as soon as we paid all the taxes, like literally the last installment of taxes got paid and the ban went into effect. And so they, we kept the county afloat literally kept them from going bankrupt and laying off uh, lots of staff. And they bankrupted about 500 tax paying farms. And we knew that that was going to happen. We had been organizing all along. It was our organizing, uh, the Calaveras Cannabis Alliance, initially before I was involved in the organization that had kind of spurred regulations. And then it was when I got involved kind of fighting the backlash that had emerged and so they adopted a ban and we fought them legally with multiple different legal challenges um, public records act requests uh, um, lots of lawsuits and trying to do public meetings lawsuits any way we could hold them accountable we also developed we had political action committees and we tried all we could to support particular candidates and to oppose other candidates in their election and successfully got candidates in place that are not opposed to regulated cannabis and so that was a big political victory for us and there was a meeting about two weeks ago, literally when the steep hills or the uh, the Philo stuff broke, I was sitting in a meeting in Calaveras County at the Board of Supervisors going through the internet uh, on that feed, listening to a Board of Supervisors meeting where they agreed to allow for regulated cannabis in a way that actually helps the local small farmers and gives us a chance to survive. Whereas 
everywhere else I see, it's literally creating rules and regulations designed to destroy small farmers. The regulations that they have proposed are ones that would actually give the people who jumped through all the hoops, paid all those taxes, the ability to either operate where they're currently located or to transfer onto properties and really kind of coalesce around cooperative collective models. And that's how we're going to survive. It's only through organizing, linking up and getting together that any of us have any chance to survive. And so that's what we've been doing. And I kind of feel like Calaveras County and what we've done there is a microcosm of what we need to do and what, you know, the Pure Collective has been doing on a much, much larger level, like on an international scale. We're doing similar stuff, fighting on a local scale. And it's really, I think we have to network all of these linked struggles from local struggles in the political realm to state and national political struggles to you know the struggle in the new regulated commerce end of things and also not forgetting that like it was always about other stuff too it was always about culture community growing plants and for those people who can't survive in this new commercial market where it's just you know it's off on totally soulless like uh, the decisions are just terrible that you have to make like even in the best situations good people i know are making forced decisions that are terrible and we need to be creative in response to these circumstances and really develop alternatives we need to figure out how these regulations work so that we've got you know people growing their six plants in ways that we adapted to medical because all across medical people adapted to their local community state regulations and produced incredible cannabis in enough quantity to support themselves and their communities and that's what we got to do now if we get pushed out of the commercial market we need to figure out how to keep on keeping on even though we may not be in the commercial market and at the same time, we got to carve out that space and build alternatives in the commercial market and really, you know, all across the market space, all across the supply chain, all across the political spectrum, internationally, nationally, regionally, locally, it's all an interconnected struggle. And so Calaveras County, that's what we got down. I think we prove and demonstrate that organization commitment struggle pays off cool it's man beautiful. it's really it's awesome really that kind of organization is really needed uh in the uh in the industry and i know um uh on a similar note i know um josh do you want to talk a little bit more about the collective and, and you know what's going on with that and, uh, and all the wonderful things that you guys are working on on a very similar wavelength. Yeah. Um, you know, we're bringing together, you know, scientists and farmers and business people and genetic, you know, um, 
collaborators, you know, we're, and we're working on breeding projects together where we can, we have the opportunity to work together as farms at different bioregions. We're working on, you know, recognizing different appellations and different terroirs that we're working with in the world and, and basically being able to create, you know, value in different bioregions. So, I mean, Calaveras County is an amazing ecosystem and, and Trevor's laid out, you know, some of the ways that they've um, won in their area in a lot of ways. And so what we want to do is learn from that, you know, and, and, and when we have an opportunity to talk within our collective, then we can use some of those successes in our areas and then within our collective, then we have the ability to work together to kind of help each other out so that we don't have to feel so burdened with those, um, you know, with those technicalities or bureaucracy that we that we may face. And um, there is a tremendous opportunity of joining together. So we're just learning, you know, how we can create, uh, a, you know, an international marketplace and, and projects where we can work together. And then we don't have to be just one farm, we can be many farms. So if someone wants to, you know, advance, you know, hemp genetics, then we would be able to figure out how to grow, you know, hemp genetics in Canada and in the US and in different regions. And then we have the ability to have collective bargaining and, and collective distribution where we can attract other buyers um, in the world that are looking for integral products and looking for integral um, flowers. And we can even create potentially a buyer's you know, club or a buyer's situation where we can connect farmers to, to, um, to the product, you know, to, to medical farms and you know are not farms but uh medical companies and people that are nutraceutical companies maybe looking for pure product <clears throat> people might want hemp but there's not a lot of regenerative organic hemp in the world you know so one thing our farms are is we're putting together protocols on what regenerative hemp is and and in and and what regenerative even thc farming is and um, we're recognizing, you know, that that's a huge commodity because a lot of corporations really just have words and, and portfolios. And what we have is history, um, like, you know, Trevor has been saying. And so we were growing this product. We have these this potential. And what we need to do is now just attract people that um, that really value that. And so with a, when, when you join together as a collective, you have the ability to attract those people and then you're not locked into an exclusive deal with some corporation that you're hoping it works out. And we just don't want to work like that. We want to work like independent farmers and scientists and, 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 um, so we're putting a structure a structure together where farmers are protective and independent farms are supported and their stories are supported and they have the ability to make products and put it in together um in a marketplace that that's essentially what we're, we're working on and, and it's a really big deal um because we want growers to be protected and that's a big issue because i think part of the 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 things that we're talking about with Phylos or or other distribution companies in, in California that are that are questionable, um, it comes down to that we're trying to survive, and and we don't want to. The one thing we have is our connection with the plant, so we want this connection to guide us to the right kind of 
um, relationships. So we're working on creating strong relationships right now internationally because, um, you know, we've seen international then we're working it, we're in Canada and, and Oregon. And, and so we have the abilities to put that together. So, um, I kind of said some of that before, but I built on it and, but those are the reasons why, you know, we love farmers and we appreciate breeders and breeders, um, you know, often don't get the representation that they're looking for. And sometimes they get, you know, um, they get wooed by big money deals and, and they, they might get lost in that big money deal, you know? And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's an really important time in, in, in life right now, because even with vegetables, I mean, there's like 12 varieties of vegetables that are commonly grown in the world. It's, it's really minimal. It's, it's extremely minimal. The actual varieties of peppers and tomatoes that are grown on the mainstream is it's minimal. So, you know, cannabis is, is a spiritual plant. It's, it's awakening us. And I think it should awaken us to really make a difference in the world and grow different things. And so it's connecting food and connecting ganja and connecting medicine. It's, it's a big deal right now. So we have to really work together. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're just basically like, we're going to, we're not stopping until, you know, the speaker's blown. <laughs> because, hey, make sure you follow them. Uh, I put all their links in chat. If you go back and I also put their, um, um, and I just want to say we, we love ganja, you know, we did, we love this plant. It's given us everything, you know, it's, we love the people that we meet through cannabis we always are guided with this medicine and it's not just a fad and it's not just a stock market, you know, it's not a gimmick. So we, we take it really seriously and, and it does, it does strike a core. It's, it strikes a, a string in our core. So, you know, we're, we're, we're equally rocked by this and um, <clears throat> we're just going to use it to be, to be strong. And so, I appreciate everyone for being able to make it through because we don't have the answers for each individual person. You know, no one does. I, all I can say is, you know, do your best in your area and, you know, the, the, let's share as much as possible because that's what got us here. And uh, let's just think good thoughts and hope for the best and, <clears throat> and use our actions to create what we want to see. So I think it goes earth, family, up. cannabis, and food. Earth, family, cannabis, and food. You know, I don't separate cannabis and food. You know, we keep talking about the plant. I, I've been growing food for a long time. And it's like, like you, so like, I think Josh said earlier, I don't eat any tomatoes. And, you know, you know, so they freeze them suckers or they put them so cold. I mean, you get them there green. I understand what he's talking about, but I mean, I could go find a tomato at an open market somewhere around, you know, the area and get some really nice tomatoes. So for all you growers out there, Josh didn't mean to say he would never eat your tomato. <laughs> Sorry. I had to... Who's that? Who's got the new logo there? Who's that? Who's that? Oh, it's a dragonfly. It's got a... Oh, that's... Oh, what a beautiful... That's... Man, that's awesome. That's, um, I, that's a new one. Uh, I'm getting so, uh, to the point where I got to go. Um, okay. I, I just want to just really take this minute to really thank you steve 
because you came to our house and you're really, really supporting us coming together. And even with this potent Ponix webcast and everyone on here, um, you're really giving us a voice and you're helping guiding, helping guide us. And I really appreciate your intention and your energy on this. Um, so thank you for that. I would like to thank Trevor for your tenacity and your intelligence and everything that you've worked towards. You know, I know that you're a real, you know, a person that really is guided with his heart too. So thank you, Trevor, for everything you've done. Uh, Mr. Green Jeans, thank you. Roger, Tara, thank you so much. We appreciate you all. Uh, Y'all are our buddies, man. You're good buddies. That's all I got to say. And thank, thank you, Josh and Kelly, for everything that you guys do for the community and being the voice of reason and, you know, helping everyone navigate through some of the craziness. I know a lot of people kind of turn to you, 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 know, you two uh, for guidance. And I know I certainly, certainly saw that when I was up there. And, and um, you know, it's really wonderful that we have you and, we, you know, the whole industry cherishes you guys and, and you know, the, your integrity and everything you guys stand for. And most of all, because you're just lovely people. Thank you. Love you, Josh. Love you, man. Yeah, love you, Josh. Love you too, family. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Well, and uh, yeah, let, we, we, can, we can make this. We can do this. Thank you. Hey to Kelly and everybody else for us. Yeah, bye. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm coming up there and pitching a tent. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll do a big cleanse together and I'll get healthy. <laughs> I'm there. Let's go. Blessings. There's, Bye, brother. Bye. Um, I also want to mention so Josh uh, is Dutch Blooms on Instagram um, and on YouTube and organic regenerative cannabis.com. Uh, and then Beth is part of the Open Cannabis. She's the, the head of uh, Open Cannabis Project. Uh, you can find out more about that over at opencannabisproject.org, I believe it is, or .com. I forget the exact thing. I'll put the, the link in the description. Um, I put her Instagram in chat earlier as well. It's sad to hear about the, all the hate that she's experiencing. That's sad to hear. I mean, yeah. Uh, hate, hate's everywhere. That's why we got to uh, fight it with positivity. For every negative it. comment, you got to go make, make 10 more, right? Isn't that how you're supposed to change it? Oh, you make 10 positive comments. Yeah. yeah. For every negative one, you better go make 10 positive ones to fight that negative one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good idea. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, you can find out more about Dragonfly at dragonflyearthmedicine.com or dempure.com, dempurefarmers.com. And they have a whole bunch of wonderful things. So, um, so uh, Trevor, uh, you had a, tell us a little bit about some of the methods you were using before the uh, the fire and stuff like that. What were some of the different, maybe unique things that you had on, on your farm or unique things you learned while, while doing things, uh, uh, you know, the Dempure way? Um. So honestly, I just grew up around a bunch of back to the land hippies and um, they told me how to grow. Like I was a 16 year old, I was being homeschooled and like, yeah, the neighbor, um, he had gotten raided the year before and in 99. And when he got raided, I was there, we were all there, a whole bunch of people, lots of kids around. and. Uh, he got his script and fought it, and he ended up getting sentenced to alternative therapy, which meant um, massage. So 
the next year after dude got busted and had to go through the court system and ended up getting sentenced to massage therapy, he um, decided he was going to grow in his front yard instead of in the bush. And so I was just a kid growing up around them and learned how to grow at the neighbor's house. I had six plants in my backyard. I was growing them for my mom, who was a medical patient at the time. And that's how I learned, like just strictly organic principles, very traditional, no real like science or thought or like nobody could really explain why we did what we did. We just did it. And it was because it was an organic principle and we didn't have the science behind it. And so for years, I just did that and kind of built on it, would kind of read up on forums and always just try and keep it as simple and as organic as possible. We never had mother rooms. We never had clones. We were all off the grid completely like, you know, living the life. And so the fire came through and that really devastated me and set me back pretty bad it burnt everything on our property all of our gardens everything except the house and um i'd gotten on instagram and hit up dragonfly and we started talking and just talking about my history and growing and gardening and the different you know being homeschooled home birth the whole you know background and everything clicked and um as I like described my processes, they're like, well, basically you're doing the system right now. And like, here's the literature, here's the, you know, the six closed loop systems and here how you can develop more practices and more sustainability. And so I really got into it. I got, you know, the Jadam books, the KNF books. I started looking at my property entirely differently than I had before and tried to find as many inputs as I could find in my own property. So I was finding mullen, I was pulling all the different biodynamic accumulators that I could find on my property and making ferments out of those. And it was like, main reason also, I had zero money, like fire happened, no crop, totally broke and like zero dollars to my name and had to figure out how to make a, something out of it. and that first year in 2016 my yields outproduced so many other people that were just dumping tens of thousands of dollars in terrible fertilizers be they organic store bots or you know full-on just nasty kenny and my yields per unit were comparable or larger to a lot of theirs and all i was using was ferments and a bag of guano that i had had left over like that was it. And I managed off of about $450 to grow an entire crop. And that just made me a true believer of everything that I was hearing and learning from them and just trying to reduce even more any, you know, externalities or inputs that i was getting from just random ass places all over the world where it wasn't necessary and i found that those practices have produced way better than even my like organic principles previously or when i compare it to my neighbors or to other people in the area and i, I also was just lucky to have like a lot of older hippies 
teach me the ropes and then have people like Josh and Kelly have the Instagram community, which really shares incredible knowledge and also like just learning from trial and error, like, you know, had awesome beneficial uh, mite destroyers in my property that were just there naturally. I never did anything. I used diatomaceous earth to kill some ants once and it killed my predators. And then I had a mite outbreak. It was the first time I ever had mites and I like completely eliminated diatomaceous earth from my program, like no more. And really started looking at biological control mechanisms, particularly because I had some just emerging on my property naturally. And I was like, how do I encourage and get feeder banks and get pollen producers that are going to produce pollen throughout the year so that I'm able to actually keep all of these beneficials here and thriving and how do I get like the hypoapsis just started appearing on my property as well. And all of these beneficial predators are in my gardens and they're showing up because I'm using cover crops, I'm no-till and I'm not using chemical inputs. And it's only when I do things like add some sort of like, you know, mechanical control agent like diatomaceous earth that I then fuck up my ecosystem. And so it's like, how do I work with the ecosystem instead of like adding stuff to it that puts it out of balance? And yeah, I've recommended DE in the past, but see, one of the things about DE is if you want to have beneficial bugs, you can't use DE. I've, yeah. always, I've taught that DE, for a long time. If DE, you're in a sterile, well, let me finish, Steve, because I know you don't like it or and you don't find any use for it, okay? Um, but in a in a hydroponic environment where you're not, you know, you know, just for the hydro growers, and this is a hydro show. I'm just saying, it, there, when you want to be sterile because you don't expect to have bugs because you don't have any living culture, you know, it's useful and it does kill a lot of shit. It's also it's also really good for you to ingest. It kills worms and parasites in your body and your animals' bodies. So I just move on and I give it up after that. But I agree with you. If if you've got a living culture, I've always want. That's what I've always taught. If you have a living culture with bugs, uh, you know, beneficial bugs, you cannot use DE. But it's not totally bad. It's not like it's one of those things you can never use. There are many uses for it. And I'm totally. sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to throw that out there. You know. Yeah. No. It was like our like you know. It was sort of old school hippie science where it was just like, this one's safe. It's not going to hurt anything. And so it was, yeah, it's definitely got its place. And like, in terms of things you could use, it's really much better than so many alternatives, but um, same thing, like, you know, Scott and Scott Olegranola and learning about neem, like totally, you know, neem gate and the neem wars of Instagram a couple years ago, like, really changed some minds and I appreciate that a lot. And so, you know, we're, we're all learning together and we're building sort of like a knowledge base and an epistemic community, so to speak, that's just incredible. Like what we've managed, like what, you know, Mowgli talked, said like, Ooh, people in basements don't know how to breathe and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm amazed. <laughs> Breeding started and, in basements. What the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I just look at the, like, not only did it start in basements, look at the tools that they had and the, like, way that they adapted stuff in the 80s to figure out how to really do it. 
or cultivation and how they adapted the genetics of the plant to do it. Like every culture throughout time has figured out how to adapt this plant to whatever situations they're in and to whatever end uses they're really like desiring. And that's incredible to me. And I always like, I try to bring it up to prohibitionists where I'm just like, what? Like you're choosing to just be like, this thing's like out of bounds. We're going to just ignore it. And it's like, you know, if you really wanted to, you could just like have a cultural complex that doesn't use it for psychoactive purposes. Like the Chinese figured out how to do that 10,000 years ago. Well, many far Eastern, you know, I, we see people in America fail to realize that uh, the far East and like Istanbul, you know, which was Constantinople was once like the center of the universe, like New York City, you know, uh, for the Far East came to Istanbul to bring all the spices and they knew agriculture from way, way, way back. And all this, all this fermenting and all this stuff has been used for thousands of years. And it's funny because when you said, well, back in the 80s and I'm going, wait a minute, uh, over there. Uh, I think I don't know how what what kind of age would you like to well there you go I'll ask you a question uh, what 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 age would you put the uh, Far Eastern uh, how long they've been doing that already known that genetic uh, well, no, so, well actually the Chinese have been doing it since 29 officially since the uh, what's his name the guy that founded Chinese medicine cool. um, but but they they were the first ones to use it for anesthesia they were the first ones to, you know, to realize it was antibiotic. But um, we actually have to wrap the show up in the next five or ten minutes. Uh, we have major flooding here, and if I don't get from the grow to where I'm staying, I'm gonna probably be stuck here. So, um, what I just want to say heads up. Let's try to you know I got about ten minutes left before I got I need to physically leave here before I may or may not be able to get back. All right, brother. Yeah, you gotta get you gotta get safe, or else we won't have a show uh, Thursday. So yeah. So <laughs> so uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna tweak do a little bit of format tweaking. Um uh and we'll. The interviews are going to be uh, uh, slightly more structured and uh, going forward. And the first um, guest we're going to have for that on Thursday is um, we're going to have Wade, Wade Laughter, the gentleman uh, uh, from House of Harlequin. Uh, he will be joining us. He's the gentleman who developed Harlequin strain, which has been later used to create a whole wide range of CBD uh, cultivars. Uh, many of you guys have known, and he's a uh, one of the early pioneers of CBD genetics, and it'll be really wonderful to have him on. I was on the phone with him earlier today. Uh, he's going to be coming on and dropping CBD knowledge. Um, I've been out in Oklahoma uh, working on this uh, grow. Um, I'll have more stuff to show off soon, um, but uh, you guys are going to really like it. You guys saw my Instagram today. You saw the, the fish tanks arrived, so uh, it'll be pretty cool. Um, uh, Trevor, thank you so much for, for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Sungrown Mids. It used to be Meds, but I changed it to Mids during all this uh, silliness just to, you know, not let the trolls troll too hard. Can't let them, you right, know. Say that again because yeah. it sounded like you said the same thing. Sungrown Mids. Sorry, it's Sungrown Mids, like M I D Z. Oh, Mids, like Mids. All right, Mids. Yeah, like you mid said, mid Mids. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Indeed, yeah. Follow me there. Um, I'm probably going to put my pr uh, my page on private again soon after all this kind of dies down. So get in while you can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool kids only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Thank you so much, man.
Really, really appreciate it. Loved your information. You. It was awesome. You were awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for all you did and all the wonderful reporting you did and all the digging you did to, to tell us all about this. Without without you, we wouldn't have even known. Yeah, and I mean, it's a community effort. Like, everybody, thank you so much. So, yeah. Thank you. And uh, Mr. Green Jeans Garden just left. He's a Green Jeans Garden, Mr. Green Jeans Garden on Instagram. And on his website is mrgreenjeansgarden.com. Um, and uh, we have uh, uh, Roger. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you? I love growing marijuana.com. Roger Lakewood at Instagram and at Facebook. And uh, Tara, why don't you tell everybody how to find you? Oh, Tara's muted or Mike's not working or something. I can't, you can't hear me? Oh, she's, she's, Tara, she's Tara Lee live on YouTube and Tara, hold on, Tara Lee on Instagram. Just Google Tara Lee, Instagram. you'll find her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. She's Tara, Tara Lee and Z-Dog on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Potentponics, uh, Potentponics.com, in, uh, Instagram, Potentponics, all the places, uh, all the podcast places, uh, Potentponics, just look for Growing With Fishes podcast. A huge thank you to Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Big thank you to Beth. Big thank you to Trevor. Uh, thank you for everyone coming on and giving us a, a you know, really informed insight on the Phylos debacle. Um, there's a lot of rage but I wanted to make sure that we actually got people on that actually knew what the hell they were talking about. They could give us really informed information without just like screaming about it. Awesome um, job, Steve, to get them right to explain that. Yes. That was really cool. Can you hear me now? Yeah. And then one, okay. yes, we can. Well, and you. I think I wanted to just close with this. My takeaway is, is I think us collectively as you know, all of us breeders and everything else, we need to come together and make, standardized language that we can all use in all of our contracts to protect it. I think that's the number one le lesson we can learn from this is that we have to come up with unified language that will hold up in court that we can use to, to protect ourselves and to make sure that our data isn't being exploited and make sure that the, the those that are the key holders to the data uh, of the projects that we're working on are, are you know trustworthy people that won't sell out even for a hundred billion dollars. And there aren't that many people, but there are a few trustworthy people like Josh and Kelly and a few other people out there that do have integrity that we, you know, we all know would never, you know, would never sell us out. And we need to get behind them, work with them to get language that we can all use in all of our contracts, regardless of our extractor or breeder or whatever, and 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 really come out and use that to protect ourselves more than anything else. And um, on that note, I'd like to close and and thank you everyone for coming on and everyone for watching. We had an incredibly uh, large amount of viewers this week. And uh, thank you. I love you guys all. And we'll be back on Thursday with Wade Laughter from House of Harlequin. Thanks a lot.